Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. My name is Jason A. Meiske, and I am your host for the Sample Chapter Podcast. This is episode 43, and I just want to welcome you back. Thank you so much, all of you out there who like the show and subscribe, so you come back week after week. You know, and as a subscriber, the new episodes just plop right down into your desktop or your phone, however it is that you listen to it. And I really appreciate that you do that. Uh, you know, our audience has grown significantly again here in the last few months. And it's just, I'm, what can I say? I'm really blessed and really, really happy to have you along for the ride with me talking to these uh, new authors. Well, not new, but you know, a new author every week, a new story every week. I'm having a lot of fun, and I'm really happy that you are going on this journey with me. Hey, if you are an author, and you're interested in coming on the show, or perhaps if you know an author, and you'd like for me to interview them for the show, reach out to me. Uh, you can contact us through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on any of the social media sites facebook and twitter just look us up at sample chapter podcast and you will see us there you can like the page like my twitter page and <laughs> yes i'm still struggling on what you call that my twitter handle uh and send me a message you know you can send me a direct message or just tweet it on my page i don't know is that what you call it i think, that, I think that's what it is i don't know reach out to me <laughs> and let me know that you or a friend would like to come on the show, uh, and you know, even if you, even if you're not somebody who uh, is interested in that, still reach out to me and let me know what you like, what you don't like. I'll be happy to uh, correspond with you and just chat. I, I've had a lot of fun talking back and forth with uh, with fans of the show, and we've been definitely fortunate that uh, so far everybody just really likes it. And thank you so much. I, you know, <laughs> what what a better time of year to be thankful than this week with Thanksgiving. But let's not get in there yet, because uh, that's going to tie into my guest this week. Let me ask you first, all of you authors out there who listen to the show, how's your NaNoWriMo coming? Are you participating? Uh, I am. I'm doing all right. I'm not quite at the halfway mark yet, which is behind for this time of the month. You know, this, see, this episode's going to drop on the 20th, and by that time I should be over halfway well over halfway over 30,000 words really but uh, I know right now I'm still only as as of this recording I'm still only around 16,000 I'm averaging about a thousand a day uh, which isn't too bad that's that's decent for uh for just you know a day's work as a writer but yeah I'm falling behind I've got some weeks where or some days where I'm only doing about five to six hundred words but then I'll have other days where I'm over 2,000 and yeah, you know, all right, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm pretty happy though with the story. The story's coming along, and I'm really interested in where it's going to go because I'm I'm not planning too much of it. I know how I want it to end, but getting there has been a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, you know, the month is not over yet. If you're interested in trying NaNoWriMo and just writing as much as you can for the rest of the month, go ahead and head on over to uh, nationalnovelwritingmonth.com. Sign up. And look me up, Jason E. Meiske, and add me a, send me a buddy request, and I'll be happy to 
uh, accept you and send one right back to you as well. I guess it's probably time for our sponsor spot, so let me get us on over there to that, and then we'll start talking about this week's guest. U-Store All of Warrensburg, Missouri is your premium place for self-storage. Whether that is outside conventional storage or indoor climate control, they have everything that you need to make sure that your household goods are going to be stored in the optimum levels, almost as if you're storing it within your own home. Climate control is a true climate control in that it has air conditioning, heating, and dehumidification. They have round-the-clock security with 24-hour surveillance on more than 40 cameras. The entire facility is fenced in. It's gated access with your own private gate code that is never reissued. So check them out online at ustoral.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. All right, well, we were talking a minute ago about uh, Thanksgiving. And it is Thanksgiving. Like I said, this episode is going to drop on November 20th, just a couple days away from Thanksgiving. Uh, Today is actually my mom's birthday, um, uh, the 20th, I mean. So I, you know, she doesn't really listen to the show, but I do want to say a great big happy birthday to my mom. Thank you for giving birth to me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my mom is really special to me, and uh, it. I know I don't say it enough, or at least I don't tell her enough how much she means to me. So, Mom, if you do hear this sometime, happy birthday, and I love you. I got sidetracked there thinking about my mom. <laughs> uh, it's also Thanksgiving this week, and you know it's a great time of year for being you know, there again, being thankful for what you have, uh, getting together with either family or friends, whatever it is that's close to you in your life, whatever that may be, it's that time of year to be thankful. So make sure that you, on Thanksgiving, take a moment and just kind of say thanks openly to those people that mean something to you in your life. <clears throat> oh, all right, well, I'm getting getting myself a little bit, uh, getting a little misty. Let me have some coffee here. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah, light a cigar. All right. Yeah, cigar man stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So our guest this week fits right along with that Thanksgiving theme. It is Sally Bernithi. She is the award-winning and USA Today best-selling author of Tongue and Cheek Mysteries. Uh, her series like Death by Chocolate and Charlie's Ghost have received critical acclaim as well as been a big hit amongst fans. The Death by Chocolate series. Uh, in that series, she has her seventh book, has just been released, and we have a fantastic time talking about how she came up with the series, both series, her standalone books, and uh, she even had a, was a part of a romance anthology recently. She was a tremendous help for me uh, preparing my book. Uh, she did my first uh, critique read-through of the first several chapters. And <laughs> I'll never forget when I got my critique back from her. Uh, she got my first several chapters, and I think she was on around uh, chapter three or so when she sent that back. And <laughs> when she sent it back, it was around chapter three that she wrote, "I'm finally understanding what this is about." <laughs> and it was it was such a great little note, and it made me you know take a moment and look into it and go, "Oh man." Yeah, she's right. All the stuff I'd written in the previous chapters was just fluff. And, you know, let's get right into the story. She was right. 
And, you know, it meant a lot to me. It really helped me tighten up the, the start of the story, get right into the meat of it. And she's a fantastic woman. She has wonderful stories. I'm enjoying Death by Chocolate. And my daughter is just a huge, huge fan of her. I think, I know you're going to enjoy this interview and you're going to enjoy her chapter. So let's get us on over to the interview with author Sally Burnett. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Today, I am having myself a wonderful time stuffing myself with chocolate and Coca-Cola so that way I can get along with today's guest because she also loves chocolate and Coca-Cola and Harley-Davidson motorcycles. I'm speaking with award-winning USA Today best-selling author Sally Bernethy. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Good to be here. I'm really happy to have you. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I currently write mysteries. I have two series, two ongoing series. One is the Death by Chocolate series, which does incorporate murder, chocolate, Coke. The other, Charlie's Ghost, incorporates Harley-Davidson motorcycles. So I have uh, I've just released the seventh book in the Death by Chocolate series. And I have four in the X series. In the 90s, I wrote 15 romance novels for Harlequin Silhouette. But after my third divorce, I didn't want to write about romance anymore. I decided to write about murder. <laughs> so, hence the change of subject. <laughs> and and it seems they are doing really well. So you, you're getting a lot of your your ghosts out, so to speak. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea how many times I've killed off the ex-husband. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your history with uh, some of the uh, the romance that, that you write, because I think you're you're not quite done completely with it. I know you were in an anthology recently. Well, I used to write, gosh, every kind of romance, um, and people think there's only one kind of romance, but I wrote romantic comedy, romantic suspense. Recently, our romance writers group, our Midwest romance writers, which that's the name, and we have to keep that name because that's the way we're incorporated, but we have all kinds of writers like me who now writes mysteries, but our group did an anthology. We wrote, we, we each took a decade in the history of Kansas City, starting from the 1820s and going to 2010. We took a real person, place, or thing, and created a fictional story, usually a romance story, around that person, place, or thing, and put it all together. So our group cooperated enough to write uh, the Kansas City story, an anthology, which is going over quite well. Oh, that's fantastic. I wrote about the Jimi Hendrix concert. Oh. Because that was, that was a, you know, a fun era. <laughs> Drugs, <laughs> music, and I had a good time with that story. Oh, it is romance. I had a good time writing. Yes, yes, and I know some of the other authors in there too. So I'm gonna have to definitely pick up. I'm gonna have to hit one of you up for a copy of this sometime, so that way I can check this out. So we can probably manage that. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> now, Death by Chocolate. The name alone, and this should be coming out the week of Thanksgiving. So I can't think of a better way to. Or a, a better story to, to be talking about, but Death by Chocolate, where did this come from? What was the, the genesis behind this? Well, 
as I said, after my third divorce, I thought, well, and I had worked as a computer programmer for a while. And by the way, I've had many careers, and writing is the hardest, <laughs> harder than computer programming by far. Amen. At any rate, I, I left computer programming and started back writing. And I thought, okay, I don't know squat about romance, obviously. But I've thought about murder, and I've always loved chocolate. In fact, I have created what I consider, and most of my friends consider, at least that's what they tell me because they may be scared of me, considering <laughs> how I rock about murder. But I have created the quintessential chocolate chip cookie recipe. So I thought, well, okay, chocolate, murder, death by chocolate. And at the time, I thought it was an original title. It, it isn't. There are a lot of books out there called Death by Chocolate. But I just thought that was kind of cool. Chocolate is such a wonderful thing. Death by chocolate. <laughs> so that was kind of the basis of that. And I gave my heroine, actually, at one time, I had thought about opening my own chocolate shop. I was going to call it Chocolate Decadence. But the heroine in my book, I gave her a chocolate shop. And she, and I call it Death by Chocolate. Okay. So I kind of put some of my desires, you know, to own a chocolate shop, to kill my ex-husband, and merge those into my books. <laughs> and you're up to the seventh one. The seventh one just came out. Yes. Now, are these, uh, are they uh, sequential, or do you need to follow the series, or can you pick up anywhere? Along the series? You can, you can pretty much pick up anywhere. They are sequential. The characters are growing older and changing. Mm -hmm. And I started out, between the first book and second book, I think there's like two years, and I suddenly realized, oh, my goodness, if I write more of these books, these people are going to be old and on Social Security and not baking chocolate anymore. So the others come much closer together. But we do, there's a there's a child in the movie who's who's growing older and events happen. The, my heroine finally gets a divorce from her crazy ex. And so it's better to read them sequentially, but I do plan each one as a standalone. So you can pick it up and know what's going on. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. Now, and then Charlie's Ghost. Uh, tell us about this. Well, of course, there's a story about that. <laughs> so... <laughs> When I decided to get back into writing, the indie publishing and ebook thing had just become a phenomenon. I thought, well, I can do that. I've written for Harlequin Silhouette. I've written for Berkeley. I, I know how to do all this publishing stuff. So I put Death by Chocolate out there. And, oh, my goodness, I had a terrible cover. One of my friends said she was very artistic and she could do a cover for me. I love her to death, but she's delusional. <laughs> So I put, put the book out there with a bad cover, and it sold a few copies, and I didn't know anything about promotion. And so I was sitting there thinking, well, okay, maybe that's not a good idea for a series. Maybe I need to do something else. Well, my cell phone rang, and it was my ex-husband, and he'd been my ex by that time for about 10 years, but he was still stalking me. And I looked at that display, and I thought, oh, my God, he is never going to leave me alone, and he's never going to die. And even if he did die, his ghost would come back and haunt me. So that's the uh, second series. The heroine is in the middle of a terrible divorce, and her husband is murdered. And then he comes back and haunts her and says, Oh, till death do us part. We weren't divorced, and I'm still here, so you're still my wife. So that's the premise of that series. Oh, my gosh. I think I have connected with some ex-wives who really like that premise. <laughs> And how many how many do you have in that series so far? 
I have four. I'm getting ready to write another one in that series. Oh, fantastic. I get carried away with the chocolate. I put my chocolate recipes, I put four or five of them in the back of each chocolate book. I saw So that, that means I have to continue testing chocolate recipes. Well, you know, it's... Well, I confess I, I get carried away with the chocolate series because <laughs> I like doing all that chocolate stuff. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's for for the good of others. You know, it's, For the good of others, absolutely. <laughs> I test it to just make sure it's good. Yeah. I wouldn't want to give somebody bad chocolate. Yes. Well, I can't wait to. Hopefully, the next time we get together, I get to try some of these out because I don't. I I will ruin them if I try cooking them. <laughs> I will make you some of my. Famous chocolate chip cookies. Oh, all right, all right. The cookies. I've become more famous for the cookies than for my books somehow. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, well, hey. I, <laughs> oh, well, as long as I'm famous. I, I feel you there. Sometimes I think my show is going to take over my books. So we'll see, we'll see what happens here. <laughs> so you have the recipes in the back, and you have all these different series going on. Uh, I've I've heard that you're, you're looking into uh, some audio on some of these as well. I actually have the first six. Uh, books in the Death by Chocolate series are actually out on audio. Okay. Would you like to hear the story about that, too? Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> well, so kind of the, the same with the publishing, the same hubris that led me into self-publishing. I thought, oh, I think I'll do an audio book now. Now, I did have sense enough, no, I couldn't do it. But I went out on ACX on Amazon and looked into this. You upload a blurb from your book and you specify what the narrator should be and what qualities they should have and all that. So I put it out there and the first day it was out there, I got five or six auditions and, and some of them were pretty good. Well, the next day Amazon came out and added a $100 per narrator hour subsidy for my book. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed with auditions, all of them reading that same passage from my book, which I wanted to kill after I listened to it that many times. So it was, I had some really good auditions. It was tough. I finally got them down to 23. I had my friends listen to the auditions. I called my neighbors over. I sent them to my boyfriend, who is rather like Sheldon in Big Bang Theory. So... All my friends are coming around, and, and most of them, 99% of them said, oh, we like Sarianna Gregg. They said, she sounds like me, and I, I'm not sure she's, I think she has a much better voice than I do. But my heroine is sort of like me, which is not surprising since I wrote her. So they're saying, yeah, we like Sarianna Gregg. We, we think she sounds like you, and you should choose her. Well, I get to the boyfriend's house on Saturday. I haven't told him all this stuff. He's got an Excel spreadsheet where he lists several qualities down one side and the names. <laughs> oh, yeah, so OCD. So I look at it, and the first person he had had a very nice voice. She had a very subdued, calm voice. She had a nice voice. I felt it didn't have the energy for my books. But I understood why I picked it. So I said, well, this Sarianna Gregg, she's number eight on your list. Most of my friends liked her really well. Why did you choose her as number eight? Oh, he said she's okay, but there's just something about her voice that's so annoying. I couldn't listen to her for very long. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't kill him, but I thought about it. But, yeah, she has done six of my uh, Death by Chocolate series. I'm going to send her book seven and get her started on that. But those have gone over quite well, too. That's great. Fantastic. All right. 
we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of authors that like to listen to the show, and it's one of the things that uh, I'm I gain a lot of a lot of experience listening to the the authors speak and read. After putting together so many books that you have, what kind of advice would you have for an author looking to start a series? Wow, pick something you're interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously am interested in chocolate and killing off ex-husbands. So I think that kind of gets me going. And the secondary, well, I mean, create a character you like, because I, I like my heroine. Mm. And I like some of the secondary characters. So I enjoy writing about them. And they're always playing out stories in my head. So I think that's important. If you're going to keep a series going, you need to stay interested in it. Yeah. I've seen some series out there that I, you can tell the author is no longer interested in doing it. She's doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. I won't name it, but I've seen some. Yeah. Do you have so, Do you have a lot of the characters kind of interact with you throughout your day, uh, where you're like, oh yeah, this character would react this way to this situation or uh, something like that? Yeah, they kind of play out things in my head <laughs> a lot. I'll lie in bed in the morning when I first wake up. I'll lie there and think about what's going to happen in the book during the day and watch these characters. I write it's, when I write. It's kind of like I'm watching a movie and I'm reporting what's happening. <laughs> so the characters, I guess, have some autonomy. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us, uh, tell us about the seventh book. Um, is it's out now, and, uh, and I know I'm going to be picking up a copy of it. But tell the audience what to expect uh, from book seven. Well, it's called Guns, Wives, and Chocolate. I went back. I, I do get involved with my characters. I actually went back to book two and picked up a couple of characters from that book to create what's going on in this book. But you don't need to know that if you if you just pick up the book because mm-hmm. I think I hope I explain who they are. So that was kind of fun. And okay, guns, wives, and chocolate. So I'll give you this hint: the guy who's murdered was married to seven women. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of potential murder suspects. Yep, yeah, I would say so. And you know what? There's no reason to say anything else about it. That's good right there. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a total coincidence, but the name of the murder victim is the same as the name of one of my ex-husbands. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, coincidence. Completely coincidence. Wow. Never saw it coming. <laughs> Sally, where can people find you online? Okay, well, I have a website, sallybernithi.com, and Bernithi is like three syllables and nine characters long, but <laughs> I'm on all, I'm on Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, Kobo. So if you Google Death by Chocolate or Guns, Wives, and Chocolate, you'll come up with my name. And you can email me from my website. Or, I do love to talk, obviously, so I'll talk. <laughs> I'll talk to everybody. <laughs> do you do you put the recipes up on your website as well? No, but that's a thought. Oh, all right. I, I have not done that, but that's a thought. Yeah. Well, maybe not all of them. You want to find the the best recipes in the books, right? Yeah, the the chocolate chip cookie recipe. Obviously, <laughs> that's what everybody loves. There we go. <laughs> and and I saw where you have a special going on right now with uh, the book first book in the series. Yes, when I came out with the seventh, I decided to put the original Death by Chocolate for free until January 5th. 
So it's free on the, the ebook, obviously not the print book. It's free on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play. Does anybody use Google Play? But it's it's free everywhere. <laughs> the next two months. I get a check for about fourteen dollars from them every month or so, but I, I don't know of anybody who uses it. It's everywhere. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sally, I've had such a wonderful time. Uh uh, audience, everybody out there, we've been talking for a good half hour before we even started the show, and we, we've we known each other from a couple of events we got to meet, and uh, really before tonight, you've talked more to my daughter, I think, than than we've gotten to talk. <laughs> so well, women talk. Yeah, well, my daughter just adores you, so it, oh, she's wonderful. She is such a neat lady. Ah, uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to hand the floor over to Sally Bernithi and. Guns, Wives, and Chocolate. A welcome home party to celebrate a drug dealer's release from prison. What could possibly go wrong with that? Harold and Kathy Murray, grandparents of that drug dealer, arrived at my house on Saturday afternoon. Come in, I invited. Good to see you. It was true. I liked the elderly couple who'd once owned my house. Their grandson, George, the party honoree, not so much. He was nowhere in sight. Maybe he wouldn't show up for his own party. Isn't this a beautiful day? Kathy's pink cheeks glowed and her white curls bounced. The sun is out. The red buds in Forsythia are already blooming. I think this early spring is a good sign for George. The early spring might be due to global warming or a groundhog who didn't see a shadow last month, but I was pretty sure it had nothing to do with George. If a tornado loomed on the horizon, I could give him credit for that, but a bright spring day? No. Harold, Carrying two grocery bags, came in behind his wife. Meat, chips, and buns. His lips smiled, but his eyes didn't. George is having a cigarette before he brings the potato salad in. Note to self, don't eat the potato salad. Everything's ready out back, I said. Trent's got the fire going, chip cookies are on the patio table, and the ice chests are loaded with Cokes and bottled water. The Murrays had specified no alcoholic beverages since they thought George might have addiction issues. Years of using drugs? Six years in prison for selling drugs? Yeah, think. I looked out to the street where George leaned against the Murray's white sedan. He blew a stream of smoke in my direction. I'd agreed to this welcome home party over two years ago because the Murrays were such sweet people. Who knew George would actually get out of prison? But he did. The future was now. He tossed his cigarette to the ground and crushed it with his heel, all the time focusing his angry gaze on me as if he knew I was thinking about him. A moving truck rumbled down the street, diverting his attention before he could incinerate me with his stare. My new neighbors? The 89-year-old widower who'd lived across the street in down one house had moved to Arizona to marry the younger woman he'd met online, a woman in her 70s. He was such a cradle robber. My ex, Rickhead, immediately snatched up the property as an investment. These must be the new tenants. Much as I wanted to find out more about them, I had to play hostess rather than nosy neighbor. There'd be time for that later. I closed the door and went through the house to the backyard. Smoke trailed lazily upward from the grill on one side of the patio. A tall, good-looking guy in faded jeans and a red t-shirt with the logo of the local football team stood beside the grill. He wielded a spatula in one hand and held his other out to shake with Harold. The sight of that tall, good-looking guy brought the happy to my heart. I would enjoy this party in spite of George as long as Trent, Detective Adam Trent, was with me. He had tried to talk me out of doing this, but when that failed, he'd settled for being here to keep an eye on everything. 
I could handle George, but I was glad for any excuse to have Trent around. Harold put his bags on the patio table and accepted Trent's hand. Really appreciate you all doing this. Kathy set a tray of condiments beside my platter of cookies and gave Trent a hug. Knowing he's accepted will help George get back into a normal life. How could he get back into something he'd never had? Kathy turned to the other side of the patio. Fred, Sophie, so glad you all could make it. Fred and Sophie, together? Drat, I hadn't seen them arrive. Fred lives next door, so he would have come from his backyard to mine. But Sophie lives across the street. She must have been at Fred's house already. For how long? All night? I knew, well, suspected. They were having a relationship, and it made me crazy that they wouldn't tell me. They frustrated my nosy gene. The two of them lounged in matching folding chairs and held matching crystal glasses. I felt certain those glasses did not contain a soft drink. Kathy hugged them both. You look gorgeous, Sophie. She always did. Long, dark, straight hair, olive skin, and a beautiful smile. Lindsay, do you need some help? Sophie offered. Thanks, but everything's ready. George came skulking around the side of the house. I stopped. He stopped. Kathy hurried over and took the large plastic bowl from him. George, sweetheart, come meet everybody. He draped an arm around her shoulders and his gaze softened. Maybe he wasn't 100% bad if he loved his grandmother. Nana, I invited a friend. Is that okay? Her smile remained in place, but appeared a little forced. Of course it's okay. After all, this is your party. Thanks. This is Gaylord Dunford. A sinister version of the Howdy Doody puppet from the 50s children's show slouched into view behind George. Dropped the birthday boy a present. Howdy Doody held up a large bottle. He hadn't heard about Kathy's no-alcohol request, or didn't care. Kathy ignored the booze and introduced her grandson and his buddy around the group as if this were tea at the country club, and Gaylord Dumford was George's best friend from high school, more likely his former cellmate. From across the patio came a sizzling sound, followed by a mouth-watering aroma. How does everybody like their burgers cooked, Trent asked. Medium, I replied. Burnt, Carol said. Medium. Fred gave his glass to Sophie and stood. I'll get more chairs. By the time he returned with four chairs, we needed more. George had a lot of friends. Some of them brought beer. Somebody passed around bourbon and paper cups. They laughed and talked and drank. Kathy, Harold, and I huddled over by the grill with Trent. The warm spring day had developed a chill in spite of the bright sunshine. I'm so sorry, Kathy said. He didn't tell me he was going to invite his friends. Harold frowned. I didn't know he had any friends. It's okay, I said. No problem. Those damn manners my mother forced on me, it was not even close to okay. Lindsay! I turned toward the sound of my name and froze. The woman coming around the house could not be. Her bright red hair glowed in the dying rays of the sun, and her bright red lips smiled widely. Grace, Rickhead's first ex. I saw the cars and thought you must be having a party, she said. I know you won't mind if Ricky stays here for a little while until we get everything moved into the house. He has so much energy, he keeps getting in the way of the movers, and we don't want one of them to trip. You're moving? Please don't let this be related to that man I saw. Didn't Rick tell you he bought the house across from Paula, and Chuck and I are renting it. We're going to be neighbors. Neighbors? I'd have chosen a serial killer who kept bodies in the basement over Grace and Ricky for my new neighbors. Ricky sidled up. I've missed you, Aunt Lindsay. Rickhead's 11-year-old son had his mother's big brown eyes and his father's gift for being a con artist. It'd be easier for Chuck to find a job here than in Crappy Creek, Grace said. He travels so much, he's hardly ever home with his family. She beamed up at the skinny, bearded man behind her. 
Chuck, her new husband, my new neighbors. Gaylord sauntered over to join us. The phony grin that spread across his broad face made him look even more like a psychotic howdy-doody. Hey, Chucky! Grace's husband knew one of George's friends. Not a good sign. Chuck stiffened. Hey, how you doing, Dumford? Got something here you're gonna like. Howdy extended a homemade cigarette. Chuck lifted his hand, and for a moment I thought he was going to accept. Instead, he took a package of gum from his shirt pocket and unwrapped a stick. Thanks, I quit. He put the gum in his mouth and chewed. Chuck quit smoking for Ricky and me. Grace beamed up at her husband. He beamed down at her. I was pretty sure the item offered was not a nicotine-type cigarette, but Chuck didn't smoke whatever it was anymore, and Grace was happy. Honey, Grace said, would you grab Ricky before he drinks that beer? I wasn't honey, but I dashed at the table where Ricky was lifting a can to his mouth. I snatched it from him. He glared at me. Don't you think you're a little young for that, especially with a cop standing a few feet away? My daddy lets me drink beer. I do not. Interesting. Chuck acknowledged the daddy reference. Chuck climbed a notch in my book. Ricky sneered. My real daddy. No, he doesn't. I wouldn't have put such a thing past my ex, but I knew he'd never spend enough time with his son for them to have a beer together. Ricky, Chuck is your daddy now. Grace wrapped an arm around her husband. He's adopting Ricky, and then we'll be a real family. Rick signed the papers, and we accepted five years free rent on the house for back child support. We go before the judge on Monday to make it official. I wasn't even a little surprised that Rick had would so easily give up custody of his son. My regard for Chuck went up another notch. If he was willing to take on the job of parenting this demon child, he had my respect. Can I have a cookie? The demon child asked. The fact that he'd ask instead of grabbing one told me Chuck was teaching him some matters. Of course you can. Grace, Chuck, help yourselves to cookies. When you finish unpacking for the day, you'll be too tired to cook, so please come over and grab a burger. I started to say we'd have a lot of food left over, but I wasn't sure that would be true with such a large gathering of George's friends. I'll save some for you. Thank you, Grace gushed. She took a cookie and handed one to Chuck. Lindsay makes the best cookies in the world. I couldn't disagree. Ricky munched on his cookie as he pushed through the noisy crowd toward the grill where Trent was moving cooked meat patties to a platter. Can I have a hamburger? You bet. Trent's a sucker for kids, even demon spawn kids. Grab a plate and a bun. Ricky wants to be a policeman like Trent when he grows up, Grace said. I ignored her fanciful comment. Let her keep her dreams about her miscreant son for a few more years. You should probably take Ricky home with you. I'm not sure you want him to be around these people. He'll be fine. We're not worried with Trent and Fred here. She waved in Fred's direction. Fred took a long drink of whatever was in his glass. That pretty lady with him must be Sophie, Grace said. Ricky told me all about her. He adores her. And Sophie adored him. She's even more delusion about kids than Kathy and Trent. Smoke came from another source besides the grill. You can't smoke out here. I pushed my way to the man with a cigarette in his hand. Take it to the street. The big bearded man looked at me and took another puff. I yanked the cigarette out of his mouth and stomped on it. His gross features burst into a creditable imitation of Wolfman. He grabbed my shoulders with two big paws. Is there a problem? Trent's voice came from behind me. The talk and laughter stopped. Helps have that effect on criminals. Wolfman took his paws off my shoulder and looked sheepish. I'll show you the way to the street. Trent's voice was quiet and deadly. Wolfman flinched. No, man, it's all good. Didn't see the no smoking sign. Didn't post one, I said. Didn't know you could read. Wolfman gave me the evil eye, gulped from his paper cup, and turned his back to us. 
Trent returned to the grill, and I looked around for Grace. She and Chuck were leaving, already halfway around the house. Ricky stood at the table, adding mustard and onions to his burger. I started after Grace and Chuck. Howdy Doody was ahead of me. He grabbed Chuck's arm. Were they going to have a fight? Could this party get any worse? Loud, raucous music burst through the evening air. Yes. I stomped through the crowd toward a short, skinny guy with a paper cup of something in one hand and a cell phone in the other. The loud noise came from the phone. I snatched it from him. Hey, he protested. That's mine. I switched it off. You turn it on again, and it's mine. I'll give it to the cop over there at the grill and let him run the serial number to find out if it's stolen. His eyes popped as he looked in Trent's direction. I dropped the phone into his lap. Another man took his cigarette from his mouth and crushed it on the pavement, his gaze never leaving mine. I could almost read his thoughts. Red-headed bitch is crazy. I better humor her. A wise decision. What was I doing before the latest interruption? Oh, yeah, trying to catch Grace and Chucky so I could return Ricky to them. Grace and Chuck were gone. Ricky was not. That was not a good thing. Howdy Doody was also gone, and there was no blood on the ground. That was a good thing. Ricky had settled into a chair between two of George's friends. All three munched on burgers. Music exploded from the crowd. I started in that direction, but Fred beat me to it. Just as well because another man was lighting up a cigarette over by Trent. My personal cop spoke a few words in his ear. The man paled and dropped the cigarette. Ricky, I said, Sophie would like for you to join her. I turned in her direction. Wouldn't you, Sophie? She smiled and waved. Rick returned her wave. Nah, I want to stay here with my new homies. They got lots of funny stories. I gritted my teeth. He's just a child, I reminded myself. Sometimes he and I got along okay. Sometimes I kind of liked it. This was not one of those times. Ricky, if you don't get up, take your chair and join Sophie right now. I'm going to have Trent put you in handcuffs and drag you over there. Cool. I grabbed his ear. I'd seen his grandmother use that technique on his grown-ups. Ow, he shrieked. You heard me. I'm going to call social services. Go ahead. What are they going to do? Tell me I can't get within 100 feet of you? Gosh, that would break my heart. A hand touched my shoulder. I spun around, ready to hit somebody. It was Fred. I didn't hit him. Maybe you should go inside, have a brownie, and relax. I'll take care of this. I opened my mouth to protest and closed it. Fred was right. I was losing it. I needed to calm down. Let Fred handle Ricky. I pushed through the obnoxious guests and made my way to Trent. He studied me closely as I approached. You okay? Not really. I'm going inside for a few minutes. Good idea. He flipped another burger and scanned the crowd. Fred and I can control your guests. Invaders, you mean. When this is over, I'm going to kill George. Kathy appeared at my side. You'll have to get in line behind Harold and me. Kathy was ready to kill her grandson. I wasn't overreacting. Things were as bad as they seemed. Want to come inside with me, I asked. I have a box of wine in the refrigerator. Kathy's lips settled into a grim line. Thank you, but we're trying to find George and get him to send his friends home. The last time I saw him, he had a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. I'm so sorry this happened. George never mentioned inviting all these people. I'm sure he didn't know they behaved so badly. She was the perennial optimist. We'll find him and take care of this. Harold stood behind his wife. His expression went beyond grim, all the way to furious. I liked the Murrays. I wanted to reassure them that everything was fine. All the uninvited guests were no problem. Even in the interest of good manners, I couldn't tell a lie that big. I went inside. King Henry, the cat who moved in and took over a couple of years ago, looked up from his position beside the basement door. His sky blue eyes were stormy. He returned his gaze to the door and switched his tail across the kitchen floor. 
His actions brought back unpleasant memories of the time people kept breaking into my house and digging up my basement, looking for drug money George had buried when his grandparents lived there. Henry snarled and pawed at the bottom of the door. Suddenly, everything made sense. George's insistence that we have his party at my house rather than his grandparents. The people George invited to his party. The way those people kept causing problems, playing music, smoking, drinking, things to divert my attention. It wasn't because he had such fond memories of visiting his grandparents when they lived here. It was because George thought the money was still buried in my basement. I grabbed my marble rolling pin off the counter. I would be first in line to kill George after all. I flung open the door. The light at the bottom of the stairs was on. No surprise. Henry darted down the steps ahead of me. My cat weighs 23 pounds, all muscle. With his half-inch claws and teeth, he could take George down before I got there. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted to be part of the takedown. I hefted the rolling pin over my shoulder and charged down the stairs. Henry was a few feet ahead of me as we crossed through the basement to the old furnace room where coal had been delivered when my house in the 20th century were young. Henry stopped at the open door, tail in the air, hair on the back of his neck standing straight up, waiting for me so we could attack together. We're a team. In the corner of the small, dark room, George was so intent on digging up the floor he didn't see either of us. Fred and I had worked hard to get the bricks in that area smooth. He'd even used a level. When I got through with George, Fred was going to kill him, too. Hey, I shouted. George looked up, startled. The money's long gone, and you're going to put every brick back in place. Then you're going to go upstairs and send your horrible friends home. He raised his shovel threateningly. I hadn't counted on that. Shovel trumps rolling pin. Henry hissed. I reached down and put my hand on his head. Sometimes Henry overestimates his own abilities. I wasn't sure he realized that shovel trumps half-inch paws and teeth. Henry still, but remained tense, ready to spring. What did you do with my money, George demanded. Tiger Lily probably found it, I said, referring to his girlfriend he'd sent to retrieve it while he was in prison. She was in prison now, so she was safe, even if he believed me. You're lying. It wasn't exactly a lie, it said probably. Lindsay, are you down there, Trent called. On one hand, I was irritated he'd followed me, but on the other hand, the most important hand, gun, trunk, shovel. I arrest this man. He broke into my home and is digging in my basement. George lowered his shovel. I didn't break in. I was invited to a party. I have every right to be here. Why were you digging up her basement? Trent knew why. He didn't know what had happened to the money, but he knew George had put it there. George threw down the shovel and started for the door. I got to get back to my grandma. She's going to be worried about me. I blocked his exit. He no longer had a shovel. I had a rolling pin, a cat, and a cop. I was suddenly brave. Not until you put that floor back the way you found it. George hesitated, looked at the floor, then at Trent. Let him go. Trent's voice was cold. Get back outside with your buddies. Now. George grumbled as he trudged away, but he went. One does not argue with a cop when he takes that tone. Well, I do, but that's different. Grace wants you to come to her house. Trent's house had gone soft, scary soft. Chills started down my spine. I don't think so. I've got to do something with all the crazy people in my backyard. Fred's getting rid of them. You need to go to Grace. Something happened to Chuck. Something what? I don't know. Grace came running over hysterically. She said he fell down and she can't wake him. I called 911 and sent her home to wait for the EMTs, but she wants you. Me? I squeaked. Grace and I weren't friends. We'd met when we thought our mutual ex, Rickhead, was dead. It had not been a bombnik experience. Why did she want to see me now?
And that was Sally Bernithi reading a sample chapter from book seven of the Death by Chocolate series, her latest one, Guns, Wives, and Chocolate. It is now available. Also, don't forget that book one is free until January 5th, so make sure you go grab that book, get yourself started in the series, and then grab the rest of the series because you're gonna love them all. Follow her links in the show notes so that way you can follow her and you never miss out on any other news that's coming up with her. Don't forget to like us and subscribe so that way you don't miss next week when we have another author, another book, and another sample chapter. Thanks again. Have a happy Thanksgiving. See you next week.